The information expressed in the following podcast is intended for educational purposes only and was created by and belongs solely to Believe Limited and the Flow podcast and does not necessarily reflect the views of our sponsors. Please speak to your healthcare provider before making any medical decisions. Hi, I'm Jessica and welcome to Flow. I'm here with Sarah Watson, sex therapist, and we want to know, how's your flow? Welcome once again to Flow. It is August 2022, and this episode is called Abortion is Healthcare. Now, you don't need to want to get or be getting an abortion to understand the situations in which abortion might be a medically sound procedure, but most folks haven't spoken about it unless they are in a situation that calls for abortion. So, so we on Flow are diving into a four part series on abortion. The realities of abortion, abortion education, advocacy, and abortion rights. Throughout, we will be focusing on clinical situations in which abortion may come up, specifically for those with extreme periods or bleeding disorders. Indeed, and we'll speak to abortion providers about the education that is most needed, public health educators, and we'll have some patient stories. But first, we'll take this month to unpack all the terminology we need to have the conversations we're about to have. And we'll share some resources and tools to empower you, dear listener, to defend yourself against the attack on menstruators, aka war on women. And we'll dive in right after this quick break. This ad is brought to you by Von Vendi, Von Willebrand Factor Recombinant. My name is Nicole, and my deciding factor is making my voice heard. To hear the backstory, drop by Von Vendi. That's V O N V E N D I dot com slash patient dash stories. And we're back. I want to acknowledge that I'm saying things like attack on menstruators and war on women as calmly as possible. We're also going to acknowledge that Sarah, hi, Jessica, hi, we are two menstruators. We're also privileged white women discussing this issue today. Mm-hmm. What else can we acknowledge as I sip some coffee and get ready to dive into discussing abortion? We could acknowledge Kansas. We're going to acknowledge Kansas. We're going to say thank you, Kansas, for voting. Thank you, thank you. We're very proud of you. If you're in Kansas, high five. Thank you. It was a joy to wake up this morning on August 3rd and hear that Kansas decided to keep access to abortion legal in their state. So thank you, thank you, thank you. The general idea is that there's battles going on at this war and we have not lost the war, but we are still taking the hit from six weeks ago when uh, Roe vs. Wade was overturned. Now, also, real quick, have you heard Rovember? Have you heard this? Is there, there's movement towards November being Rovember? a big push for Roe vs. Wade activism. Rovember. Love it. I have we'll not heard that yet. stay tuned for that. We'll check in. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So we're taking multiple episodes to talk about abortion because it's extreme. If y'all haven't been following the news, there are stories coming out of Texas with women who are having ectopic pregnancies and are not being able to be treated until there is no fetal heartbeat, which in many cases means the pregnant person is in very significant danger and they are taking women to the edge of life because there aren't written protocols for what to do in this case. There's also an uh, issue in Ohio, which was all over the news. But if you didn't hear it, a 10-year-old was raped 
And we will define rape in just a moment. So hang in there. And she was not allowed to get an abortion in her state and had to come to Michigan, I believe, if I'm correct, to get that abortion. And we also have to remember that having a bleeding disorder makes your pregnancy high risk already. I was a high risk pregnancy, double high risk due to hemophilia and having placenta previa, which is an even bigger deal for bleeders. We also know that treatment for women in general is lacking, especially in our bleeding disorder community. I have heard stories over and over and over about women not getting the right diagnosis, myself included, having to go to multiple treatment centers to get a mild hemophilia diagnosis. And then also, you know, not being able to get factor until something really went wrong. And again, I have a story myself where I wasn't given factor before I got my wisdom teeth out and I had several ER trips to... Get that taken care of. Lots oh of, ter- yeah. Ooh, look like I was beat up. Literally, handprints on my neck because I wasn't, they had pulled the teeth out and oh. I wasn't treated. So you could see the hand on my neck. And I went to a hematologist for it. And he's like, oh, you're fine. You're going to be fine. I was not fine. And that, that my story it's is a, a mild. film. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, and guess who went to work at a restaurant a couple days later? <laughs> because you should just endure pain and keep carrying on. Yep. Yeah. Menstruators. Yep. Great. Yeah. Yeah. We know that women with bleeding disorders have a really difficult time getting the proper treatment. And we are finding out more about abortion as we do research and dive into the subject. There's also class issues and race issues. And ultimately, we want to talk about how this is a healthcare issue and that abortion is healthcare. Cheers to that. And unfortunately, just in order to talk about that, we have to do things like define rape because in the media, there was a news report that, a, you know, a child was looking for an abortion. It's like a rape victim. Right. child was mm-hmm. looking for an mm-hmm. abortion. We need to use the words of what's going on, which means we need to say abortion. We need to be mm-hmm. comfortable with the uncomfortable aspects of the conversation around abortion. We'll be centering on the medical procedures in which, and medical situations in which abortion may be necessary. But there's not those conversations or protocols going on in medical uh, buildings. I don't know, it's in medical communities. In fact, you recently spoke to someone about a situation where an HTC, yeah, was unresponsive, please. Yeah, yeah. I was recently told a story. I'm going to keep it vague just for privacy, but has factor deficiency and similar to those in the bleeding disorder community and was told by her HTC that she really didn't need to come back and she didn't need to worry about anything. And if she has a really bad period when she, when it starts, to maybe give them a call. But there was no education for the patient herself. There was no education for the family. And I can tell you that it was an overwhelming thought to know that this is 2022, and an HTC is saying that to a bleeder. And what my brain went to was, good heavens, what happens if this person needs care in her future? And that's her HTC. If she needs to get an abortion, or if she's having a major surgery, or if she has a major injury, what are they doing if they're not even willing to talk about what like pretty standard treatment could be for someone with factor deficiency? So how are they going to deal with abortion? Dun, dun, dun. And you say not willing to. They're not willing to. They were not able to. They just didn't think they needed to discuss with this patient a a treatment regimen. 
That's what it sounded like to me. Again, this is a story I, I was told, but they they just said they sent they sent the patient and the parent on their way. And highly inappropriate for those of you who are listening and that go to a bleeding disorder treatment center, hemophilia treatment center, if your treatment center people are telling you you have nothing to worry about and your factor level is uh, even mild, you got something to think about in your future. You should. There's a lot of things you should be doing for yourself and that treatment center should be doing for you um, and helping educate you about it. So why is the why is the treatment center not educated on it? And we'll call it abortion. We'll focus on yes. that specific yes, yes, treatment yes. or aspect of treatment. Why are they not educated? Where is it missing? There's no protocol in place to discuss yeah. it with patients. So in my research and, and reaching out to friends that are hematologists, reaching out to my own hematologist and my own nurse, kind of expanding my little circle. I have been told as of right now, and this could change in the coming months, and I hope it does, but there is no written protocol on what to do for a patient seeking an abortion. So you and I were talking about, right, is that because patients are getting abortions and not cluing in the treatment center? Or Mm. does the treatment center just not talk about it. And then I, I think side note, we know that providers are not given education on how to talk about sex. I'd be mm-hmm. very curious on how many days and how many hours of lecture they have on abortion in their ob you know, rotation because they all have to go through these rotations. Do they just not have it? Do they not have the education? I don't know. We need, I, I'm just, just uh We're going to, loud. we're going to speak to some of course, we're going to speak to some providers about that. In yes. fact, our first, our goal is our first episode to focus on clinical situations, which abortion may be necessary to speak to an OBGYN. The, which OBGYN is TBA? Because they are busy, and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. But we are working yes. to get one to help us have some clinical language shared, talk about treatment protocols, if any, that are currently in place, and what education is lacking. But then we're going to talk about advocacy. We're going to have a Planned Parenthood rep um, maybe someone who worked with United States of Care. Can I tease that? Maybe yeah. that person, Let's do it. which would be wonderful to talk about uh, more language and activism. And we will have returning patients from Flow talk about their experience with um, a bleeding disorder and a pregnancy journey. Mm-hmm. We will have an Ohio abortion provider come on to talk about education. We will talk about rights, abortion rights, hopefully with an amazing public health educator you all may know and love from season one. And in that episode, we'll also talk about handling stress because staying Mm -hmm. calm and having the uncomfortable conversation is a necessity. Absolutely. So with that in mind, I'm going to take a deep breath and invite us, Sarah, to just do a quick review of abortion-related terms. So not to, not by the book definition, but just other words you can use for abortion, pregnancy termination, unviable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there any other you've heard or are aware of? Not current. I'm sure there are more, but I, it, I've always heard pregnancy termination or it's unviable for whatever reason. And that's up to the parent, the person who is carrying the child. Um, whatever they term it. And and when I see clients too or speak with friends, you know, I kind of go with their language. 
I go with what they're calling it. I go with what they're saying, whether it's termination or it's not viable or whatever they're going. And if I'm curious about it, I always ask a question. So if you're curious about what someone, what term someone is using, just, hey, what does that mean to you? It's a great way to, to open a conversation. Um, so situations true, can also, true. And- yeah, right? So uh, ectopic situations can happen, right? So that's when it doesn't make its, the egg and the sperm don't make it down to the uterus and it gets stuck. It's often, yeah, developing in the fallopian tube, which can be brutal and very dangerous. Very Um, dangerous. There's also very, especially if you have an existing condition. Anionembronic, I'm going to say it wrong, anionembryonic, which is the preferred clinical term to blighted ovum, because blighted ovum sounds like a judgment. But it is when a <laughs> zygote, if you will, does it, isn't able to fully come to term and will often naturally miscarry around seven weeks. We're going to ask our OBGYNs about other situations that clinically mm-hmm. may lead to abortion. Right. And then the reason we're also going to, in this series, spend some time on sexual assault terminology is because for those advocating and speaking with legislators, things like rape and consent still need to be defined on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So how would you define rape? I have this acronym, but I don't want to say it wrong. Okay. Rape is when intercourse is happening and or any sexual advances happen without consent from either parties. So rape can happen. Maybe you started having sexual touch with, and I'm going to say touch because it, I rape can also be without penetration. I know we're talking about abortion, but I just want to be very clear that rape can happen without penetration. And that if you engage in something, it's happening, it's great, it feels good, and then all of a sudden it doesn't, and you say no, and the other partner partner participant continues to keep moving forward, and you're saying no, that's rape. That's sexual assault. Like, let's call that what it is. So consent is incredibly important that it should, okay, so a nice way to remember what consent means is using the word fries. So it's freely Mm -hmm. given. I know, I love fries. So freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. So I'm gonna say it again. Freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. That also goes to the idea of protection. We'll have to look this up. I want to say it was Canada, could be wrong, determined that it is sexual assault if there is an agreement to use a condom and a condom is not used. Right. Mm. And I know sometimes it gets a bad rap. Well, we can't say that word, but if we don't use the language then we're going to get confused. Yeah, well, why can't we say words? What? That's what words are for. And also, by May, it is tricky. <laughs> Our society puts penetration on a pedestal, but that is not the definition of sex. Therefore, penetration is not necessary for the definition of rape. Correct. And the willful participation you're talking about, that is mm-hmm. known as consent, Yes, is essential for a sexual act. Now, rape or sexual act, consented sexual act, may lead to pregnancy for two individuals. The individual that is 
holding the possibility of pregnancy is the one, much like a tree determining if fruit is going to come to bloom, is the one that determines if the environment and situation is correct. The ingredients of child are to be made child is up to the person holding the responsibility of creating an environment, creating an environment for the possibility of child to exist. The child does not exist yet, but the person that holds the possibility to create an environment by which such a possibility for life could grow is the experience of pregnancy. The association that child is existing during pregnancy is false. And dare I say, not based in any clinical knowledge, simply in religious sections. And there is no room for religion in politics. So when we're talking about abortion being healthcare, we're defining that abortion does have a place in the conversation of politics, but that's simply Mm -hmm. because we're responding to the oppression of abortion being restricted. Abortion is not up for debate. It would be as insane to have life-saving blood transfusions up for debate. And there are women right now screaming in pain from tropic pregnancies, waiting for a lawyer's approval to save their own life. There are women Mm -hmm. dying right now. And so the conversation matters even if you are not part, even if you are not in a situation that requires you to consider having an abortion. Right. It's about taking care of each other, right? When did that, when did that seem to stop? Like we can disagree But if I'm going to die because your beliefs say, oh, that's not okay, that's a child. What? No, I I, I just, (laughs) what? (laughs) Who's going to take care of that kid if I'm dead? (laughs) Right? Like there's so many facets to this conversation. And I think what also gets me going is this idea that really, who is going to take care of these children? Who is going to do that? If we are forcing women to give birth, what if they can't? What if they die? Let's talk about the terminology of pro-life. That is propaganda. The unity that calls, the entity that calls themselves pro-life is not pro-life. They are anti-menstruators' rights. They are awkwardly misinformed and distorted, but they are not pro-life. Some of the same enclaves of people obviously are pro-weapons like guns, anti-supporting the freedom of the children who are still in cages on borderlines. There's not a pro-life movement. Pro-life is a propaganda term. I think we could even speak about free lunch being taken away in schools and how that's been a debate in the last handful of years. Have you pro-life, you want to be taking care of those around you, but you don't want to feed kids. It doesn't match up. The math doesn't work. Right. And so we're hoping to appeal to the anyone who's listening who needs to have a conversation with someone who doesn't have that reason yet in their brain. They're not available. They don't have, their brain isn't available to conceive of the logic and reason that is true. We're not trying to reach across the aisle. We're trying to stay on this side and communicate accurately the way things are. And in doing so, people get touchy around the one version of abortion that's uncomfortable, the version that's always been available and will be available to privileged white women, to the affluent and elite class, which is the version where you just say, I want something different about my body, now do it. And people are doing that all over. But that's one version of abortion. Every other version that exists requires the person who may have a pregnancy to carry to term 
to make large decisions about their existing life. And so we can be pro their life and encourage the reality that every individual has self-sovereignty over their body. Every individual has, well, the right. Can I, can I ask you this, Sarah, in, in your sure. wisdom, rights. Rights are made up, right? Huh, Do right. rights exist? By old men. Yeah, Ooh, I think we're getting into a whole other conversation. But I mean, I think if we look back, right, like our Bill of Rights, right, written several hundred years ago, correct, by all old white guys. And we're saying that these people, many, many moons ago, knew what was coming our way. It doesn't doesn't fit for me. I'm not sure. Right now, as a woman, it doesn't feel like I have rights. It doesn't feel like that. And it, even being a privileged Just, white yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. But also saying that, like, the, this idea that I have rights that need to be defended. It's like rights are made up, made mm-hmm. up by old white men in the past. So actually what right. we need to do is be building something that's relevant to today as opposed to fighting for rights we think we had or have. We don't, Correct. never did, not according to that constitution. Right. So the new thing that we need to create is space for the conversation and access to the people who are having the conversation in the rooms that matter, in the rooms where papers get signed. Right. Which means being an active voter, doing your research, Mm. making sure if you have the time and the ability to get out there and do something. There are things to do because these decisions start at the bottom. And I know that seems, maybe that might seem a hard way to think about things, but it matters who's on city council. It matters who your state rep is. It matters who your senator is. It's not just Mitch McConnell, although he's problematic in a multitude of ways, but it, it's But I look at you're saying, everyone. let's get back into the room that we exist in. Whatever Correct. room we exist in, whatever small community we exist in is the room we need to be having the conversation in. I'm using the editorial mm-hmm. we, anyone who agrees with our general sense of, of needing to fight on the against the attack on menstruators. Yes. The yes. conversation needs to be in with your brother, with your father, with your husband, with your boyfriend— with your girlfriends, with your mother, with other people who otherwise are not yet having the conversation because they may not have been in the experience. I'm going to share a quick story of a friend who's, I'm going to leave anonymous, but she's dating someone who's more conservative than her. And abortion has come up. Here's the situation. She's not saying she would necessarily, she doesn't know. What if she has an extropic pregnancy and she's Mm -hmm. going to be seeking an abortion? Now, he also happens to live in Oklahoma. and If she were to move there to be with him, she would Mm. need to go across state lines. So her main question Mm. was, would you take me across state lines? Now, Mm. out of love and care for her, he said, of course I would. But otherwise, I'm not really involved. However, right Mm. now in the state he lives, women are screaming in pain and dying from things like ectropic pregnancies because they can't get the support they need. So why is it important that she has this conversation with this person she's dating? Why? Because it's not really, it's not involved in his world, and yet he's in the environment where it's happening all around him. So to do nothing is to be part of the problem. And while she's Mm -hmm. figuring out if they, like, have attraction and if their lives can sync up, why is it important that she makes sure he's standing on the right side? Because values matter. Because that's the room she's in. Yes, values matter. It's so important, especially if you're thinking about partnership, right? Like, 
is this person. It sounds like it's, and I've heard this with my clients too, right? It's this idea that the blinders are on. Well, if that happens, it's not the decision I'm going to make, so it doesn't really matter. Or the, they're leaving it up to the state's argument. But what the, stop that. Like, take the blinders off. What if it's your granddaughter? What if it's your, you know, what if it's your daughter? What if it's, you know, your neighbor who has severe issues, like other, you know, chronic issues? It's not just about yourselves. It's about others, right? And and especially with this budding relationship. You got to know where that's going to lead. Yeah, but also, and it's about others it's like if we're if you hear someone screaming in pain in the next room, mm. you're doing nothing. Mm-hmm. What? Well, so you just can't hear the screams. We need to get some loudspeakers and blare mm-hmm. the screams. Mm. Onto, Ooh, I like that idea to wake up a little bit to the fact that while well, again, and we need to stay calm to fight these fights. But yes. until there's everyone having the conversation that there are people screaming in pain, yeah doesn't matter right. that it doesn't feel relevant to you. You're allowing people to scream in pain. And this is not, uh, listen, the menstruator's rights are not the only place where this is relevant. Intersectionality is always about us lining up our oppressions. Mm-hmm. So many women don't have the ability to drive or fly, right? Depending on where you live, especially if you're in the deep South, it's going to be a journey to have the ability to go get an abortion. And that costs a lot of money and time, and if you're not able to take work off, or what if you're really, really sick, or what if you already have four kids, and you just can't, you just can't have another one. And that's okay, too. That's your choice. It's your life. But there are many, many millions of women who can't do that, can't make that choice, and can't drive, you know, a thousand miles to go get an abortion. And to draw listeners' attention to, I'll put in the show notes, there's a series of mutual aid foundations currently driven towards helping people get across state lines. And that does seem like the most immediate need while we're looking working for legislation and activism. We do know that there's organizations helping women get across state lines. Check the show notes. If you or someone you know need that, please access these people who are standing by waiting to help. And if you don't need it, but you are looking to get involved, these are organizations actively looking for your money, looking for your time, looking for support in states that do provide abortion. So if you're in a state that does provide it and you're feeling great about that, like good for you, you can also help women getting to your state. Check the show notes for those links. I think it's important that we also highlight there are other people talking about this in a multitude of ways. And I spoke a minute ago about mothers making the decision not to have more children. And that is a very important statistic to remember that I gosh, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's a very high number of women getting abortions are those who are already mothers for whatever reason possible. And a beautiful podcast in conversation was on, it's episode 665, 665, with Amanda Kingsley speaking light into abortion on the Shameless Mom Academy hosted by Sarah Dean. And it's a beautiful conversation that, centers around the idea of being a mom and making that choice. This isn't just rape victims. This isn't sexual assault victims. This is other moms. This is someone in your neighborhood that has had to make that decision. So when you can hear other stories of what it's like, please listen and please know that it is it is your neighbor. You'd be very surprised if you started asking questions about who in your circle has had an abortion. So please 
listen to that episode, listen to to Sarah and Amanda have that conversation. It was it was very um, eye opening for me, and I obviously very pro choice person, and it was very helpful. This American Life also had an incredible episode the about the pink house at the center of it all. We'll we'll include both those links in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. So with those resources, we are going to wrap up this month. We're looking forward to diving into further education, activism, tools to share. We will continue fighting the fight. We'll see what happens in November. Stay strong, stay calm. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. And we're here with you. Don't forget, we're here too. Bloodstream Media is more than just a rare disease podcast network. With shows on chronic pain, menstrual health, and Dungeons and Dragons, yes, Dungeons and Dragons, Bloodstream Media's got a little something for everyone. Visit bloodstreammedia.com or find Bloodstream Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram to learn more. Flow is produced by Bloodstream Media. Shout out to Amy Board, creative director, and your hosts, Sarah Watson and Jessica Richman. In 2022, Flow will have new episodes the second Thursday of every month. Hey, that's the day after I start menstruating. <laughs> <laughs>